KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego, offering the online Master of Data Science program, a journey through computation, data analysis, and real-world applications. Learn more about the online Master of Data Science program from UC San Diego at omds.ucsd.edu. Science bleeds Greekness. Most of the words that you know about the phenomena that you're studying are in Greek. Hematologia, hematology. Logia, the study of, or the rules of, or the words of, emato, which is blood. So it's fun being a Greek in science. But at the same time, there's not a lot of people that think like Greeks. We have this awareness that a lot of other people don't have about the world around us because we have been trained to like always look for the root, the vasi, that base, the root of, of everything. Sophia Hirakis defended her PhD at UCSD, where she got to the root of things by reducing proteins to their most fundamental building blocks, atoms. And at the heart of her research and her plans for the future lies Sophia's culture. You might say she puts the geek in Greek. This is Rad Scientist where the scientist becomes the subject. KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, hosting an open house to learn about the upcoming classes and seminars, member benefits, and meet the volunteer leadership team, Saturday, March 30th. Registration at extendedstudies.ucsd.edu slash O-L-L-I. To understand Sophia, you need to know where she comes from. My name is Sofia Petruchiraki, which means Wisdom Rock of the Widow in Greek. I am first-generation Greek-American, and I am uh, Olimbitisa, which means I'm from a village in Greece called Olympos, like literally Olympus. We are what they call the diamond of Greece because the, the women in my village actually wear their traditional garb to this day. Sophia grabs a Barbie-like doll from the shelf in her campus apartment. This is how the women in my village dress. She wears an hipokamisa. Hipokamisa is a material that is worn directly on top of the skin. On the outside, she has a robe, which has her sleeves turned inwards, which shows the decoration on the sleeve of her hipokamisa. The entire thing is adorned with flowers and jewels, Swarovski crystals very often. On her head, she wears a wrap, which is a mandili, adorned with pitilla. Pitilla are the things that make sound. And on her feet, she usually has boots. Sophia was born in New York and was back and forth between the States and Greece as a kid. Having been to school in Greece, I was educated in the Greek system, which required that we learn to read by like age five, memorizing like several page poems, which I still remember. To this day. <laughs> After kindergarten, Sophia started school in America, but still in a Greek-focused school. We all were hyper-specialized in Greek mythology, Greek philosophy, mathematics, and science. A lot of Greece's history and culture was shaped by science, and Sophia was drawn to science as well. I have a very 
interesting path to science that was very meandering. She started out interested in cognitive science, but then got into pathology during college, working at the Montefiore Medical Center in New York. Post-surgery, where do your organs go? You ever thought about that? I hadn't. But she tells me that they go to the Department of Surgical Pathology, where folks like Sophia are at the ready. We literally had a little like elevator, just like a little dinghy elevator. And inside the elevator, we would just get a buzz, and it would just be an organ. What organ? We didn't know until we opened the bucket. And oh, the many things that could be inside that bucket. So I would get all the amputations, all the placentas, all the products of conception, and what they called junk specimen, like teeth and uh, varicose veins and stuff like that. And each organ contained a sort of mystery. So the surgeon very often doesn't know what is plaguing the patient. The pathologist actually gives the report. And so I was part of the diagnosis team, diagnosing the stuff on the cellular level. To view the cells, Sophia had to cut through the organs. So you cut, you do a gross dissection, what it's called gross, it is nasty, but it's, gross dissection means like a large piece you dissect it into smaller portions. You would take small samples and make them into cell slides and uh, stain them. And from the characterization of the, the cells, you would figure out why we, they needed surgery. After college, Sophia moved to working in a transplant center, still working with organs, but also interacting with patients whose organs were failing. She recalls one very memorable patient. Uh, We had this one patient who was literally in a relationship with his parrot. Like he would make out with his parrot. I swear to God. And, And one thing you have to know about infectious diseases, like avian, the avian flu, the bird flu, it's like really dangerous. And where do you get it from? I don't know, exotic birds maybe? You know, so part of the transplantation process is determining who is a good candidate to receive an organ. And this guy was not a good candidate. So we basically told him, you gotta break up with your parrot, my friend. And so he broke up with his parrot because, you know, of course he wanted to live and he was so devastated. He became very sick after breaking up with his parrot, which was very sad to see. That weekend, I knew he was going to die. I stood by his bedside and talked to him a little bit, and then I went home knowing that I wasn't going to see him on Monday. (sighs) I walked in, and he was completely fine. He looked like you and me, just like normal blush in his cheeks and stuff. So I, I went out, and I just asked the attending what happened. And they said we got him the organs that he needed. And I was like, oh my god, medicine is a miracle. But I'm good. I don't, you know, I don't want to do this. Amputations, placentas, products of conception, teeth, varicose veins, bile goes like, sprays up literally to the ceiling and it's like dripping down, just like a soup of bile, the uh, gallbladder. The pharynx and the esophagus and the aorta, nails, eyeballs, gums, flesh, liver, and kidneys. Mm, No, I'm good. So that's when I went into physics (laughs) and computational biophysics and tried to stay away from living things as possible, as far away as I could. Sophia had enough of icky body things, and she decided to apply to graduate school and switch from biology to biophysics. 
I got to graduate school and it was like math, lots of lots of math, lots of physics, like good luck. And so I was just kind of like swimming in this in this bath of like numbers and things that I didn't understand. And on top of that, Sophia was going through hard life stuff. My uh, grandmother had died. I'd just gone through a breakup. You know, I, w- I had moved away from home for the first time and I was just in a really depressed state. <clears throat> she went home for winter break and talked to her parents about it. And uh, they were worried about me. But she didn't expect what her parents would do next. My parents had me committed, like in a mental institution. It was awful. It was awful. Fun fact, when you commit somebody in the state of New York against their will, they become a ward of the state, which means that they're the state's property. So the state does with them whatever they deem necessary. And so that was a very scary situation to be trapped up in a a hospital. She wasn't sure when she would be released. New Year's Eve went by, and she passed the time by continuing her studies. While I was there, I was teaching myself math and physics and stuff to, like, stay sane, which is kind of an insane thing to do. (laughs) She was released after three weeks, and she went back to graduate school. And things started to fall in line. The math and physics started to make sense. Not only the formulas, but the meaning of physics for her. What I was really searching for the entire time as I went from surgery to emergency medicine to biophysics was physics. That's the only thing I was searching for. To be able to see a phenomenon and take it down to its first principles. To, to give me Greek letters that describe its behavior. So here is how Sophia describes her science, which really is a mix of all of the hard sciences. So I'm in the chemistry department studying biology in the language of physics. In, in essence, I use computers to compute very complex mathematical relationships which describe the physical behavior of a biological system made up of chemical entities. In essence, Our bodies, our organs, are made up of molecules, like proteins. And proteins are made up of amino acids, which are made up of elements, like carbon and hydrogen. And the elements are made of atoms, protons, electrons, neutrons. So in the end, everything boils down to atoms and the forces between them. If Sophia inputs the position of all of the atoms of a protein into a computer program, She can model it and see how it reacts in time to small changes, like switching out one amino acid for another, changing a charge here. We're literally just pressing play on a static protein and and watching it move. It's, It's super cool, actually. And while she mostly models proteins, you can really model anything with a computer and start to play around with the models and learn things about the world. What if I change this parameter? What if I change this parameter? How does it influence the outcome of my system? So it's a pattern detection process. You can learn to detect the patterns on the scale of the subatomic. We're talking quantum scale. Or you can detect them on the scale of like bridges. Or you can even look at cloud patterns, like large. Or you can detect patterns in the way flesh-eating bacteria binds to human proteins. That's up next, after the break. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. 
Sophia is at the university pub. Remember Porter's? You could, like, drink a beer at Porter's. People were smoking out there. Sometimes, you know, the, the wacky tobacco. <laughs> when she is introduced to a chemist who would become her collaborator. This guy's name is Cosmo Buffalo, like the most hippie name that you've ever heard in your life. Cosmo comes to Sophia with an interesting problem. He has four strains of flesh-eating bacteria, and they all bind to the same human protein, a protein that tells the human immune system to cool its jets when it should really be all engines firing. It's part of why flesh-eating bacteria is so deadly. And now what Cosmo can't understand is why parts of the bacteria strains look so different from each other and yet bind in the same way to that human protein. All in the same confirmation. It's the end of the school year, and Sophia tells Cosmo, give me the protein structures, the atomic positions. And then she packs up and heads where she always goes for the summer. In the summertime, I get to go to Rhodes, and my family owns a hotel. I clean the rooms, make sure the pool is tidy, make sure the umbrellas are tied up at night, fold the chairs, serve the guests, turn the rooms over, hold the keys. And when that's all done, she takes out her laptop and runs simulations of the bacterial proteins. Honestly, I work in the middle of the night while the Greeks sleep because I listen to the Yankee games. It's like 2 a.m., up to like 5 a.m. for like a really good game, you know. Hotel, simulations, Yankees, sleep, repeat. So by the time I came back, I had so much data to analyze. I analyzed it and I showed it to Cosmo and it was pretty impactful. By changing one amino acid at a time, she figured out exactly which elements were necessary to keep the bacteria bound to the human protein. It was the kind of thing that would be really hard to figure out without simulations. This bit of new information is really important because it can help us design vaccines and antibodies against the bacteria. We ended up publishing it in Nature Microbiology, and then Science Daily covered it. And then it got translated into, like, very many different languages. Sophia just defended her PhD, and she's doing some work in a new lab on heart cells. But she's also starting a nonprofit called Works of Wisdom. And the mission is to help young scientists whose circumstances have left them in a new country without many prospects. There are people that have been displaced because of war. Brilliant scientific minds that will never allow, be allowed the opportunity to plant themselves like a seed to grow into a fruitful tree. It's heartbreaking when you think about the scientific potential and the potential of these young, brilliant minds who have seen disease, war, and famine and want to change the world for the better. One of the main destinations for recent refugees is Greece. So we have camps of refugees. And within these camps of refugees, you can imagine, there are many university students who don't have a place to go. Sophia wants to help refugees gain entrance to countries like the U.S to continue their scientific education and get them out of the camps. It's aimed at the creation of pipelines for refugees, placing them in internships, giving them preparation for GRE and TOEFL exams, as well as immigration resources.
When Sophia isn't building up her nonprofit or doing science, she's watching a Yankees game or she's writing Greek poems. She's playing instruments, an acoustic guitar or a Greek lyre. She's singing a traditional Greek song and following it up with a soulful rendition of The House of the Rising Sun. It seems as though she is constantly vacillating between the cultures, Greek and American, just like she travels back and forth every year. But in the end, she feels most strongly pulled towards Greece and her heritage. There's a lot of things that America stands for that I don't stand for. Although I'm an American and I benefit from the American system and I pay into the American tax system and I am a part of this country as a citizen and I can vote here, although all these things are true, I feel connected most to my roots and my people, especially because I celebrate my culture and my tradition. So I'm thankful to the American system and thankful to the American people, but I don't feel that I belong to America. I do not want my bones buried here. No matter where Sophia is, if she's speaking Greek or English, if she's basking on the shores of Rhodes, San Diego, or Long Island, the physics will always be there. She'll always have Greek letters to help her understand this crazy world we live in. That's it for this episode. But before we play the moment of Xenopus, I thought it's time that we finally break down the etymology of Xenopus. Because as you may have noticed, it's a pretty Greek word. So as you may know, Xenopus refers to a genus of clawed frogs. And that makes sense if you look at the word, because xenos means strange and pus means foot. Strange foot. Strange-footed frogs. Okay, now for the moment of Xenopus a Greek poem about secret love written, performed, and translated by Sophia Hierakis. Μες τη σκιά του φεγγαριού θα μενα περιμένω τα μάτια κι αν δεν λάμπουσι στον έρωτα σου μένω. In the shadow of the moon I'll be waiting. Although my eyes are not well lit, I stay within your love, within your erota. Φωτιά που έχω μες στην καρδιά, μόνο αυτή φοβούμε, όσα τον ήλιο λαμπερό και θα έρθουν να μας βρούνε. The fire that I have in my heart, that's the only thing I fear, because it is bright like the sun and they can come and see us. Και σαν μας βρούνε πια μαζί με ντουφεκιά στο χέρι, το αίμα μου δεν θα κυλά γιατί θα στάζω μέλι. And if they come and find us together with knives in their hands, the blood in my veins won't run because I will be dripping honey. Σκοτάδι δε φοβούμε πια ουκ λόγια ούτε πόνο και δε ζητάω πια πολλά εσένα να έχω μόνο. And I don't fear the darkness anymore, nor words, nor pain. And I don't want anything anymore except to have you in my life. So that was the last episode of season two of Rad Scientist. If you like the season and the show and you want more of it, the best way to keep it going is to tell friends about it. And also, if you have some extra time, you know, you could go and rate and review the podcast on iTunes. 
Also, stay subscribed because I'm going to throw goodies in the feed from time to time, like stories of weird science and also a trip I took to a star party. I'll be uploading those soon, but until then, remember to stay rad. Rad Scientist is produced and written by me, Margot Wall. Our theme guitar riff is by Grant Fisher, logo by Kyle Fisher, no relation. Additional music was by Texas Music Forge, Poddington Bear, Uncan, Cunning Gnome, Kevin MacLeod, Night Owl, Biquadro, and Aida Ross. At KPBS, Emily Jankowski is technical director, Kinsey Moreland is podcast coordinator, Lisa Jane Morissette is operations manager, and John Decker is director of programming. This program is made possible in part by the KPBS Explore Local Content Fund. Oh, God, I love the Yankees. These are all of my baseball cards. I have some real crazy cards. Do you know who Lou Gehrig is? This is his baseball bat. Do you know who Joe DiMaggio is? That's his bat. Do you know who Derek Jeter is? He hit a home run with this bat. It's what I use to threaten people that come into my house. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places.